clubhouse. Hey, I just wanted to check. Are things really over between you and Charles? Pardon? I just wouldn't want to date him if there was something still going on. There's nothing going on. So you traded Charles in for a celebrity surfer? I didn't trade Charles in for anyone. He's free to do whatever he wants. Well, that's all I wanted to hear. Thanks, Liza. I just never thought you'd be someone's rebound. You've done a lot to get back into publishing, and I don't know what's going to happen. But when an employee doesn't get along with the boss's new girlfriend, guess who's out? You gotta get ready, cause I'm going down. Better get ready when I hit the ground. If you ain't ready, I'm gonna show you how get Hi, and welcome to the Heller Good Podcast for Younger from Pod Clubhouse. I'm Sheila McGann. And I'm Emma Good. Tonight we are discussing Season 7, Episode 4 of Younger. This one is titled Risky Business. The writer for this episode is Alison Brown and directed by Andrew Fleming yet again. Um, Alison Brown has written 23 episodes in the series, so she's a bit of a workhorse for this show's storylines. And this one certainly didn't disappoint, I don't think. 23 episodes that's a lot that's almost like two seasons because this show is only like 12 episodes a season usually isn't it i think they had more episodes earlier on i feel like the, the the like seasons one two maybe three had many more episodes but she wrote like inside glob and you know certain things from like last uh last season particularly is what i was looking at her writing creds for inside glob that's the one where like kelsey's losing her hair <laughs> oh yeah that was bad but yeah, I guess, you know, Alison Brown has is, is got the kind of writing format that I like. So before we get started, I think you guys should definitely go check out our Spotify playlist. It's the Heller Good podcast for younger from Pod Clubhouse. Search Pod Clubhouse on Spotify, you'll find it. And it's a little bit of mood music to help you get along the days as you wait the new episodes. So let's dive into this episode, shall we? We assume that you've watched the episode. We do talk about the episode. It's not necessarily a recap. We talk more about like what happened to the characters, what we think is happening with them going forward. More of a discussion as opposed to like the highlight reel. So you've been warned, there's spoilers. So what was a highlight for you this episode, Emma? Well, I mean, this episode really started off with a bang. <laughs> Quite literally. <laughs> I mean, we wow. went. You went there, huh? I did. You had to. It's the beginning of the episode, and they start straight away with the sex between Josh and KT. I mean, with Lauren and Kelsey in the kitchen listening to it, I was very, very glad I no longer live with flatmates. it just reminded me why sometimes it's a little bit awkward having flatmates (laughs) i used to live in a flat with eight people in london yeah and and before that i was with six people so i went from a god you're like an episode of the real world (laughs) (laughs) i do feel like that sometimes i tell you what though you could always find someone to go out and party with so it was great in your early 20s so that is good yeah there was a few times where um Unexpectedly, I went out on a Sunday and maybe didn't make it home to early Monday morning. 
that's quite all right. You're in your early 20s. That's when you're supposed to be doing that kind of stuff. These things just happen. <laughs> and you're physically not able to do it in your 40s the way you could back then. So No, now I need like three days to recover. So it's oh, definitely That's not. the worst. So there was a, a bit of a theme I felt to this episode about taking risks. I mean, it was sort of discussed between Kai and Liza and also between Kelsey and Quinn. Uh, did you sort of pick that up? In this episode? Now that you're saying it, yes, there's definitely this undercurrent of, you know, this need to not live life so safe. More to the point of like Kelsey and Quinn, you know, Kelsey's mourning the loss of her, of what could have been with her own publishing company with Quinn at the the side helm with her. Yeah, that's actually a really good point because then, you know, Kai is trying to get Liza out of her comfort zone and, and into his comfort zone. <laughs> I'm not sure he has a comfort zone. I think he just goes with anything. <laughs> but no, but like with Liza surfing, you know, she's obviously never done that. And, you know, he, he has this great line, you taking risks, you know, what's scarier, doing something or not doing something. And she says sharks. She gives a kind of a non-answer. I kind of feel like the sharks were also a non-issue because I don't really hear about many people dying of sharks, in the US at least. At least not off Montauk. Have you ever been to Montauk in all your trips here? No, I haven't. I've, I've sort, of, sort of stuck close to your house. <laughs> yeah, well, well, it's, it's not far from my house. I mean, it's like an hour and a half drive. The very end of Long Island, like it's, it's the, the easternmost point. It's a really fun town. It's a it's a party town. Um, really good food. Uh, lots of expensive houses, which is not surprising that Kai would live out there, and Charles would have a house out there. But I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna go back a little bit. Yes, there there are no sh- no real sharks to speak of. I mean, last year, or I can't remember if it was last summer or the summer before. Um, like Jones Beach was being patrolled by a bull shark. A lot of swimming was curtailed, but no, we don't generally have a lot of shark problems up this way. But I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go off on a slight tangent here. The highlight of the episode for me was turtle orgasms. Oh my god! <laughs> did you actually Google it? I, 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 I don't want to Google it. <laughs> I had to. I had to. Hold on. I'm gonna see if I can play it if it comes up. It is hilarious. It's on YouTube. It's it's old. It's been on YouTube maybe since the beginning of YouTube. That wouldn't surprise me. I feel like someone just went through one night and put up all like animal orgasms. It basically sounds just like KT. It's hilarious. I looked it up and I was just like looking over my shoulder to see who would be hearing me <laughs> watch this once it got going. It is hilarious. Wow. Yeah. I must yeah. admit, I was like tempted to Google it and then I'm like, I don't really want to go down that wormhole. <laughs> Private browser, Emma. Private browser. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think for things like that. Yeah, for one of the other podcasts, um, I was joking around that, you know, I end up looking up a lot of like murdery stuff for it's for Prodigal Son. I was like, do me a favor. <laughs> when I die, please clear my browser history because people are going to be like, what in the world is she looking at? Like all these exotic murder weapons. <laughs> I'm worried about you, Sheila. <laughs> no, I, I assure you, I'm on the straight and narrow. Um, mm-hmm. I just have I just have some odd uh, odd hobbies, kind of like true crime, a little too much. So tangent. So anyway, we'll, we'll get back on track a little bit more. So Liza heads to Montauk, trying to find the book that Kai is going to write slash provide for them. And obviously, because he's a hot Aussie surfer, they end up banging as well. There is a lot of banging in this episode. <laughs> And good for her. She needs it. Again, we, we mentioned this the last episode. Like, if anybody needs, you know, to have a good romp, it's with uh, a hot Aussie surfer, and it's Liza. What better way to move on from a heartbreak? 
Yeah, I mean, I don't get longevity from him for her, but um, I definitely get some interim fun. Particularly once we saw the journals, there's really going to be no sort of long-term relationship here, clearly. But why not have fun while you get the opportunity? I did love the exchange in the office between Kelsey and Lauren and Liza going through the journals. Boobs, dicks, dicks, boobs. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. um, I also liked when Charles came in asking about what the book was about. That uh, I I can't remember exactly what Kelsey said, but she was like, oh, it's going to be really ballsy. Ballsy, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, because Liza was stammering (laughs) for the words and she was just ballsy. Yeah. Which was not wrong. It was just... She wasn't lying. She just wasn't quite the balls that maybe Charles was expecting. Intending. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Interesting how they managed to make journals filled with pictures and the odd word into a yeah. book. But of course, why is Maggie is the one that led them there? Yeah. So she she gives them the idea that saves the day for Kai's book. Is this the book that you were thinking that we were going to get? No, I mean, I really thought it would be a bit more about his travels around the world, maybe a little bit about the women he met along the way. You know, I definitely think a sex manual was not the path that they would go down, (laughs) but I think it made sense. Yeah, I wasn't envisioning a sex manual, but like, you know, good for Maggie. She comes up with it and and they're able to run with it and save their $400,000 investment. And I do think it would sell. And I love the pun on the Kama Sutra. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was really good. And then, you know, it's it's the cover that they had originally. So it just works. I know. You know he's he's just got the, like the bathing suit on. And yeah. Yeah. That cover, that name, what was inside it. I think they would definitely sell a lot of copies. <laughs> oh, absolutely. When they were running down, like, you know, what it would be comparable to. I'm like, nah, it's going to be higher than that. <laughs> Because this could appeal to a broad genre of people. I feel like it would also be like a really great one for people to give us like joke Christmas presents or, you know, for hens parties. Mm-hmm. There's just so many places that book could go. 21st birthday party. You know, there's just a lot of a lot of opportunity for some fun with that book, I think. Definitely. I could see myself buying that for a girlfriend. <laughs> so Maggie Saves the Day, she comes up with the idea for the, the sex book and... Um, it, it features into our meditations with Maggie at the end. But she also, you know, starts working on the concept art for the presentation. Do you think they resemble Liza a little too much? Well, I mean, she was using Liza a bit as the model, but I think she was also meant to be using Kelsey as well. So. Didn't quite translate as Kelsey to me. No, there's this, no. There's like long sinewy legs in um, <laughs> each of these drawings. Yeah, probably Maggie knows Liza so well. She probably could just do that drawing fairly easily off the top of her head kind of thing but now like the other person in the drawings is kind of a brunette haired man Mm -hmm. not a blonde like kai so i don't know if charles was picking up on something there Um, but he has this awkward moment as he's leaving the conference room that he says to, to Liza, like he acknowledges that she had a good time in Montauk. Why do you think he would make a comment like that? I was wondering if he picked up that maybe she might have moved on a bit with Kai, but it's hard to tell. He keeps his, you know, card so close to the chest that it's only little things like that where you're like, oh, maybe he's a little hurt that she's moved on. Yeah, that's what I was picking up from it. Like, why else would you make a comment like that if you weren't still hurting, smarting, being a little bit bitter, maybe? Mm-hmm. A little and bit yet, of sour grapes. And yet, this episode, he kisses Quinn, so he has moved on a bit himself as well. 
I think perhaps, I mean, you know, we'll talk about him next, but I think maybe the acknowledgement that Liza had fun in Montauk maybe also makes him a little bit more receptive to Quinn. Possibly. So Quinn features heavily in this episode, and we know my feelings about Quinn. But I feel like she's trying to be a bit more friendly with Kelsey. Like, they are they have a moment where they're, like, burying the hatchet from when Kelsey was, you know, trying to strike out on her own and Quinn was going to back her. But, you know, like, she's just super awkward still with Liza, and, and you know, we know what her intentions are with Liza feeling she feels threatened by Liza really is really what that comes down to but she's definitely trying a different tactic with Kelsey so do you think that Quinn has changed at all I don't know I find it so hard with her character sometimes I don't know if she's really that genuine sometimes she thinks she is and then other times she's just like are you just playing games like I, I just can't tell with her I, you know she's constantly on show and doesn't really show her true self easily. I don't think we've ever seen the true Quinn. I feel yeah. like a lot of what she does is is for show, is for the media. Just thinking about like her political campaign last year, like everything was so detailed and artfully crafted that I just don't know if she can be a genuine person. And I feel like she just like has things so well planned that she's never like off the cuff at that stuff. She has an agenda behind it always. You know, even when she knows that, that her team is having a surprise birthday party for her at the Rainbow Room, like she, A, she found out about a surprise birthday party because she has to be in control all the time. She decides to just blow it off and she would rather spend the time with, you know, Charles and his team, like, you know, hijacking their meeting. So what did you think about her choice of venue for her birthday party? I was a little bit surprised initially, but then I was like, it's actually kind of the perfect place for her because she is such a competitive person and this place was all about competition. I actually really liked that notion because I feel like this might have been like the truest Quinn we'd see. And she seemed to actually be having fun, but possibly because she was also winning all the time. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, um, and like, you know, telling Charles like, oh, you should be better at this game because of your height, you know? So she's getting her digs in, but it's meant to be funny. Yeah, I feel almost that's as close as you're going to get to the true Quinn. I think so. I think you're right. Do you really think that she brings her C-suite team to Dave and Buster's as team building exercises? I mean, I've heard of crazier team building exercises, so it wouldn't surprise me. And she did seem to love the place and play the games really well. So I feel like she's been there a lot. I don't know. Like, it's it's an opportunity to get to know people on a level that I don't think Quinn is comfortable with. So that's why I was just like, hmm, I don't know if she actually would. I feel like it would be very targeted in who she would, you know, slap basketballs with. I don't think it would just be like, you know, the, the CFO from down the hall because, you know, they happen to be standing next to her. I think she would be seeking out who she would be spending her time with. But then they also her company, so she would be choosing the people in the C-suite. So they're probably people she would do stuff like that with generally. I mean, from memory, she was in the tech space. They're probably all a bit younger. They're probably not the fusty old white men that are maybe in other companies. You mean like on the empirical board back in Chicago? I mean, I didn't really want to state it, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> the stodgy old boardroom. Yep. So after they are at David Dusters, they go to the Rainbow Room for her actual birthday that she doesn't really want to go to. And she kisses Charles. And I must admit, I went back and checked this. He definitely seems to return the kiss. Yeah, he does. Yeah, I was a bit like, I'd be, he seemed surprised. Yeah, because she she went in for like the side friend, you know, goodbye kiss. And then she came back for the actual. Yeah, but I feel like she's been flirting with him since Chicago. 
Oh, absolutely. But I also don't think he was in the headspace to really receive all all the flags, all the all the messages. Yeah. You know, he was preoccupied with Liza. I think when he realizes that she's kissing him and, you know, he's still hurt from you know, Liza having the good time in Montauk, which he noted the, that morning, that that really opens the door for him. Ugh, it's Quinn. You know, I just, I hope that this isn't something that he falls for, but, you know, this might be like a Kai for Liza. Like, there may be somebody who is just good for the interim, but she's not going to see herself as somebody good for the interim. Sometimes when you're heartbroken, which he has clearly been, by the way, he's been acting the last couple of episodes your brain's not always thinking clearly and if someone's showing you interest it's sometimes just like that ego boost you need and I feel like he could easily fall for her act just because he's not really in the right headspace to see clearly what's happening. I think those are really good points because your brain does do funky things to you when you're when you're not feeling your best and yeah so somebody like Quinn she's attractive she's smart she ticks a lot of boxes and I feel like he's in a position to overlook a lot of her shortcomings because he doesn't see it directly he doesn't see her underhandedness directly with what she does with uh with Liza more so Kelsey to a lesser extent although they did have Kelsey and Quinn did have a good moment this episode but I just think Charles is in a position where he can turn a blind eye and Quinn is going to be skillful enough to not let him see the other side of her I think that's definitely the case like we see at the end of the episode that she threatens Liza about what she could do to her if she was Charles's girlfriend but you just know if Liza said that to Charles he wouldn't necessarily believe her right and that is unfortunate Mm-hmm. But Quinn and Kelsey had a moment here where we talked about it a little bit in the beginning about like taking risks and, and Kelsey regretting, you know, not taking the risk and deciding on the safe space. What was your reaction on Quinn's take on Kelsey's admission that she made a mistake? She just sort of sort of like, yeah, you should regret it, but then didn't really say much else about it. I can understand why Kelsey regrets it. I mean, there's times where I've had decisions between two things and occasionally I go back and think what would have happened if I'd taken that other opportunity. But I personally don't think it was the wrong choice for Kelsey. I think she's having this feeling because she's just found about saying becoming a publisher. So obviously she's probably hurting a bit from that. You know, she was the publisher before. Now she's not. Now her ex-boyfriend is the publisher. And there was always that competitive aspect with their relationship. But I don't think her choices were wrong, you know. Kelsey's. Yeah, I don't think Kelsey's choices were wrong. Yes, she could have start, potentially have started up her own publisher, but she had a team with her that she could trust and that she worked well with at Empirical slash Millennium as it was at the time. And that's not something that's easy to recreate. Yeah, but also, like, I'm thinking, like, Quinn's book is about failure leading to ultimate success. Sure. And I just feel that Quinn shut Kelsey down in such a way because, like, if Kelsey had had her way and branched out on her own with Quinn's support, Quinn wouldn't be in the position now with Charles. That's true. Or her new book, right? So I feel that she was pretty harsh on Kelsey saying, you know, this would have been like a me too kind of a thing. Like if, you know, you hadn't gone back, that Quinn would be in a regret zone. I just feel like it doesn't jive with the theme of her book, the way that she talked to Kelsey. Yeah, I think the same. Like, I I don't know, it just felt dismissive the way she 
It's disingenuous. I keep using yeah. that word with her, but that's how it feels to me. Like there's she she puts on this veneer of perfection and you know she's always so well crafted in in her thoughts and in her actions but like deep down she's just out for herself yes but she's also like kind of a sociopath because she's able to hide it really well i mean i just am not that sort of a person i just can't be that untruthful i'm just not comfortable if i'm not acting like myself i don't know how people do that (laughs) like it's taken a long time for me to be me. <laughs> it's hard to be somebody else. Yeah, I don't need to try and be anyone else. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. but I agree. Like she is a bit. She, she. I think we've mentioned this before in other episodes. She tailors her approach as to what she wants to achieve and who she's with. Absolutely, and I just I hope that Charles starts to see through this sooner rather than later. As much as he's hurting now from Liza, I just don't want to add to the hurt because he's keep in mind he's still not technically divorced, so there's still that hurt that's going on in his life. Right? There's, he's got a lot of emotional upheaval, and I can't not like Charles because he is like at his core such a good guy. But at the same time, I don't want him to get tangled up. It's like she's a shark, and yeah. she's gonna she's Eat gonna like devour, yeah, devour <laughs> him alive, right? Maybe some turtle orgasms along the way, but. <laughs> I definitely don't want to hear those two have you know getting it on. I, I no, don't think uh, I could watch that episode. No. Like, please I'll have to make sure I'm that. not eating. Yeah, please. I mean, the, the kiss was bad enough. I don't think I need to see any more of, of anything with those two. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so I think Josh would be up next. I think that was kind of it for Kelsey, Quinn, and Charles. Definitely. So, you know, we sort of see something a bit different this episode that um, I kind of missed it almost that uh, Katie mentions uh, she doesn't like kids and would actually like run away from kids. And now obviously Josh has a child nowadays and seemed a bit shocked, but also didn't tell her that he has a kid. So I think he was just shocked that she was so forthcoming with like, I hate kids, I run away from babies. And I don't think that they've had enough time in their short time together to maybe get into the details of like him having a kid. I don't know how serious he's thinking about KT, but I definitely feel that after that statement that there will not be another phone call or he'll like be like, I have a baby and yeah, we're good. I feel like... He either needs to fess up that he has a kid if he wants something to go long-term with her, or, yeah, just let it die a natural death. Let Just let that one go. Yeah, but it does make you wonder, like, at what point is it a good time to tell someone that you've got a baby? It sounds like they've only been together, like, a day or two, really. Yeah, I mean, I think it was that morning, and then, like, maybe... That night or something. Yeah, or the next day or something like yeah. that. Definitely not a lot of time has passed. (laughs) Yeah, like a quick turnaround on that. But yeah, I don't know the answer to that question. Like, you know, when is a good time? And especially like if she drops this baby bomb that like, you know, I run from babies. That's a big statement to make. And, you know, we touched on this, I think, a little bit earlier on is that I like where the season is going with the writing that finally, after six seasons, we are not talking about Liza's age anymore. I think the show really needed that. It was getting a bit too much. You know, so many people at some point knew and I kind of forgot who did know and who didn't know. And so it's nice not to have that dynamic to the show anymore. But there's other people that have secrets now, it seems like. (laughs) Right. And, you know, Josh having a baby, you know, that's not necessarily a secret, but it's not always something that can be just shared in that moment. 
But I like the fact that the the shift this season has been more to the millennials of the show and the things that they're dealing with related to age, like Lauren turning 30. That's a big deal. Kelsey having her career crisis and Mm -hmm. Josh becoming a dad. Like they have to deal with different issues now. And I just like how intentional it feels that no one has mentioned the fact that Liza is 42 years old. It's like her age doesn't matter anymore. Well, yeah, like now that that cat is out of the bag and everyone's kind of moved on from it, well, like now the focus has to be on somebody else. And I was hoping that the series wouldn't suffer from the lack of, you know, Liza's secret. So, but I think that they're doing a really good job in showing the complexity of the things that these guys are dealing with. You know, when do you tell somebody that you have a child? Because obviously he's going to want to be protective of her, of little Gemma, who is just like the cutest little baby whenever they show her. Oh my God, she's gorgeous. (laughs) I don't think that he would want to like introduce somebody to his daughter right away, even though she's still a baby, you know, because, you know, little kids, they form attachments. Yeah. Probably more easily than adults do. So, you know, you, I guess him as a dad would have to make a decision consciously, like, do I want to let this person into that circle of my life? And yet, I mean, Claire seems to have let Rob in quite early. Josh was surprised by him when he was dropping off the passport in the first was that the first episode? Yeah, I think that was the first yeah. episode. So, you know, Claire didn't seem to have this problem of letting someone know that she's got a baby. But in fairness, like, we don't know the timeline with Claire or where she knew Rob from. But you know, I'm going to give Claire the benefit of the doubt because, you know, I've been kind of harsh on Claire. I will not let up on Quinn. The gas will still be pressed down on Quinn. Yeah, I agree dislike. with you on that one. <laughs> I mean, Quinn is just... I mean, I think she's written to be an unlikable character, definitely. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the actress, Laura Benati, she's playing her very, very well. Yeah. But, yeah, but, like the tone, the shift, it's working for me. And it, it was subtle. But this episode, with this moment with Josh, I was like, oh, that's what they're doing. I'm like, okay. Yeah. So I'm liking, like, where it's going. And each of our millennials is having their own little crisis. Lauren's was far less. She's so just turning 30 and, you know, struggling with the theme. Like, with Kelsey and Josh, it's a little bit more complex you know kelsey with her career issues and you know josh being a dad and and the the protectiveness right now he's he's you know daddy bear protecting his cub and he can't have that kind of energy in his life even if the turtle orgasms are great (laughs) (laughs) just the regular sex i know i was gonna say he did just say it was just the regular sex but you know clearly clearly he does that good (laughs) Mm mm-hmm Yep, and uh, the whole apartment knows it. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think I definitely like their changing tone and, and looking at their challenges as they're getting a little bit older. Yeah, the just the shift is, uh, it shows that the show is, is growing in its own maturity, even though this is the last season. I'm still devastated by that. All right, well, I think that pretty much covers the episode this week. I think so. So I think we've got time for a meditation with Maggie. So Maggie yet again proves that she's like just the most clutch person in Liza's life. She teases out the the concept of the sex book from, you know, the mashup between the journals and the, the surf terms, which frankly, they are a little tongue in cheek, I guess. Yeah. Borneo twist, the rail bang, a log jam. Like, you know, these are definitely things that, you know, could be construed in a, in a different way if you have a dirty mind. <laughs> which I think Maggie definitely has. Yeah. So I think with the meditation with Maggie, we'll play the quote of how she arrives at this brilliant idea. We'll play the quote here. Wait, did you do any of these? Borneo twist, rail bang. Oh, wait, wait. Log jam. Those are surf terms, not sex terms. Are you sure? Because these journals read more like a sex manual to me. I wish it was. That we could probably sell. 
So, yeah, so she figures this out for Liza and for Kelsey rescuing the day. And not only does she rescue the day, but she also comes up with the concept art that we talked about a little bit earlier that looks a lot like Liza. What's your what's your take on Maggie, you know, finding this out? I think that just shows the creative mind that Maggie has. She she just has a way of pulling things together. And that's why she comes up with these great ideas. And she's like the guiding light in this whole series. It also takes a, a creative and a, and a dirty mind to put those two together. But she literally took a dumpster fire of nothing and found the gold at the end of the rainbow with that. Totally. I mean, so. I don't think what were they coming up with was... I can't even remember. It was sounded pretty crap, but a sex manual definitely sounded like a good book. Absolutely. So I I like where Maggie is becoming just so clutch for for just about everybody in Liza's life. Definitely. All right. I think that brings us to the end of another episode of the Heller Good Podcast for Younger by Pod Clubhouse. This is Sheila. And this is Emma. And we would appreciate if you could head on over to where you get your podcast to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Giving us a five-star review would be greatly appreciated and definitely helps other people find the show to get as much enjoyment out of it that you do. And you can find us on social media at Pod Clubhouse on all the things, on all the platforms at Pod Clubhouse. And you can find me on Twitter at Shields McGangsta. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you.